0: And welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry.
1: Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you.
0: We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget.
1: Hi, Terry. So just about every episode, we make the point that recovery from depression's darkness is possible. And every time we say it, we know there are people thinking, no, it's not, or not for me. How do we know that? Because we remember thinking it ourselves when we were in it.
0: Today's guest Renee has worked relentlessly to recover from both her depression and what she believes caused or at least heavily influenced it, a major early childhood trauma. The acronym ACES, A-C-E-S, is commonly used now. It stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. We're quoting the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC's definition. ACES are potentially traumatic events that occur in childhood, 0 to 17 years, such as experiencing violence, abuse, or neglect witnessing violence in the home, or having a family member attempt or die by suicide.
1: Also included are aspects of the child's environment that can undermine their sense of safety, stability, and bonding, such as growing up in a household with substance abuse, mental health problems, or instability due to parental separation, or the incarceration of a parent, sibling, or other member of the household. Adverse childhood experiences have been linked to risky health behaviors, chronic health conditions, low life potential, and early death. We believe that no conversation about depression is informed if it does not include and acknowledge the long-lasting negative impact of ACEs.
0: That said, here is Renee with a powerful message to never give up on yourself or on finding a source of help and recovery that works for you.
2: Um, well, my interaction, my relationship with depression is very complicated. <laughs> um, I have a mental, a family history of mental illness um, that affected my maternal or paternal um, grandmother and three biological aunts and/or uncles that have died from suicide.
1: Renee describes herself as a troubled child. She was hospitalized in grade school when her self-harming was mistaken for a suicide attempt.
2: Uh, now that I look back on it, it was really important to me because at least there I felt that I could cry and that I, could, I was around people that were feeling the same way as me, the same age as me. Um, it let me know that I wasn't alone in, in feeling like that.
1: But it wasn't enough to help long-term Neither was any of the talk therapy she tried.
2: It was just all very Freudian, let's talk about your dreams, instead of reflect on why you feel this way or, you know, a cognitive approach to it. Um, I just, I did a lot of just sitting, staring at a therapist because I didn't want to share any of the deep, dark secrets that I had in me. And so then they just stared back and then they wrote me a prescription and I went on my way for years like that.
1: Renee says she engaged in a lot of risky behaviors trying to get someone to notice her. The police did, and eventually a judge who became an unlikely key player in Renee's recovery. Um,
2: It wasn't until my third time in front of the judge, (laughs) um, it was for marijuana possession is why I was arrested three times, that he said, what's going on? Like, obviously I came from a good home. I had a good education. I have all A's in school. Like, what's going on with you? There's something. And, like, it just took that one guy to be like, hey, maybe there's more to this. And he put me in um, outpatient, like, rehab kind of therapy. Um, Part of that, though, was that you had to sit in a private session one-on-one. And I said something during the private session that alluded to my abuse. I wasn't even trying to go there, mm-hmm. um, but because she was a state employee, she was mandated to report it. And at that point, I, I was like, I, no, forget I said it, like I don't, nah. and she obviously didn't have a choice.
1: That report led to a family-dividing trial against a relative who Renee says sexually abused her for more than a decade starting when she was just three years old.
2: Come to find out, he was tested in, like, kindergarten for, like, being a sociopath because he had tendencies of hurting animals and things. And they decided to leave me with him all summer, every summer. So it was it was a not just, like, once a year kind of thing. It was constant um, for those years. So obviously that sets in all kinds of emotions and all kinds of, like, guilt and shame. And, you know, those are monsters. Those are like catalysts for depression. But it wasn't until I got to the heart of that is why I have these negative feelings. That's why I feel so small and, and dark and I'm, I'm not happy. I don't enjoy things anymore. It's because I hadn't dealt with
1: any of that. For decades, Renee tried to deal. She tried different meds, different therapists, and different types of therapies before she finally found the right fit, which was the result of an aha moment after a conversation with a friend.
2: Like, she was saying something like, you know, that, why don't you just get over it? That was a long time ago. Put it behind you. And I was trying to get her to understand the impact that it had on me. And um, the way that she... Tried to be sympathetic, just really made me realize I needed to be surrounded with people that had similar experiences, mm-hmm. because unless you have that experience, you, no matter how much you try to understand it, you can't. So that made me look for support groups in the
1: area. Through those groups, Renee's focus and understanding shifted.
2: And I, I don't want to—I don't want to put this blanket statement out there, but for me specifically, depression is it was like the side effect of me not, or the symptom of me not dealing with the trauma. Hmm. The trauma was the illness and the depression was the side effect Hmm. or the symptom of it. Um, I don't know that I would have had depression had I not been through what I went through. Um, So I guess therapy is the way to deal with the illness, not just the symptoms I feel like, and I know that, I mean, depression has many faces. For me personally, though, that's, I, I couldn't have dealt with the depression without dealing with the trauma.
1: The There, Renee's about to reference, is a local organization that provides support and education for sexual abuse survivors.
2: And I called there and I mean, that was a really scary first step to take. I mean, it's a scary process to go through to like touch it at all. You know, a lot of survivors completely detach that part of themselves and to like decide to voluntarily go back and open this crazy, scary door that you've mentally blocked is terrifying. Um, But once I got there and I started some individual therapy and then the the group therapy is enormous because... As this podcast, I'm sure does for people, it lets you know that there's other people that feel the exact same way as me. And even if their stories are different, you know, it's the emotions and the the heart of it that is very similar and just just have somebody validate you in that way that like, I'm not crazy. It's not that I'm just taking this too hard. It's like, this is a real thing that causes a real impact and and real devastation.
1: Another thing that has helped Renee find herself is art therapy, which was a real stretch for a person who never considered herself creative.
2: It doesn't have to be art. You don't have to like think, oh, well, I have to frame this and put this on the wall. It's just an expression of color and and feeling. It you know, like my first um, project that my therapist gave me was to take a poster board and outside or somewhere that you don't mind getting messy take eggs and dip them in paint and throw them at the poster board. And it was so like, just that, that motion of throwing something and then having it explode into color on a page and just the splats that it made. Like it was very abstract and, you know, obviously you can play with what colors you use and everything. Um, And you don't want to hang this on your wall because the egg molds. I tried. (laughs) (laughs) It's gross. Um, But yeah, just that, being able to express yourself with something other than a therapist sitting in front of you expecting mm-hmm. you to, like, eloquently say something. Right. <laughs> you know, just so that's blah. Right.
1: Now, Renee is a walking advertisement for group and art therapies, where she's learned a lot of coping skills, which she says empower her to feel more in control of her emotions and consequently less depressed.
2: A lot of the exercises they did I had this tendency to think that they were silly. Like they would, for instance, they gave us a picture of a house and they wanted us to draw like where the people in our lives fit into this house. And to me, I'm like, what am I in elementary school? This is dumb. But the insight that it brought me, if I just let myself do it instead of judging the exercise, just do it and see what happens. And the things that came up that I never, they didn't thought about in that way. It was just every exercise was just enlightening in its own way. And then, you know, you would take what you learned from that session and then talk to your individual therapist about it and further work on things that really came up for you or, you know, triggered you or, um, working on triggers is a huge part of this therapy. Um, being able to recognize your triggers is a huge first step. If you are like getting attacked by something and you don't know what it is, of course, it's going to seem chaotic and, But if you're like, oh, well, it's this, I know how to deal with this monster, like, and then just having those skills has been huge.
1: And Renee learned they're not just her monsters, and that she can lean on other group members for help, support, and understanding the value of peer support.
2: Group therapy is definitely for sexual trauma. I feel like it is the only thing that has worked for me. Mm -hmm. And... If I, if anybody listening to this is struggling with that and you think it sounds scary and like, oh, that sounds dumb or whatever, it's not, it's, it's so supportive and just having someone to, when I feel triggered to text and be like, Hey, I feel this way. And instead of having to explain everything of like, why I feel this way or blah, 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 blah. It's just, they just say, I know, I'm sorry. You want to hang out? They already get it to that point. And then it's just a sharing and getting it off your chest and just saying it out loud. The disclosure part um, of group can share as much or as little as you want, but just saying it out loud to someone that nothing's going to happen. You're not going to have to go to trial afterward. You're just going to have supportive people around you to just hear you.
1: Having found support, Renee is now in a place to offer it.
2: And it's, it's all because I finally found the therapy that works for me and it's not cookie cutter. It's not going to work for everybody. You know, art therapy to some people sounds like a nightmare or maybe they are artistic. So they're like, well, that's dumb. I do that every day. You know, maybe something more factual is for that person then, even though it sounds like, yeah, that's not for me. That's somebody else. I am living proof. (laughs) I used to be that person and thought that I was just stuck in that well forever and it was never going to get better. And now I just, I see how other people react to anxiety and depression. And I just think like, man, that used to be me. And I'm just, my mental attitude is just so different. It's like I'm a different person.
1: And while you're on that frustrating, disheartening search for what works for you, be gentle with yourself. Your depression is an illness that is not your fault.
2: Another par- part of remembering when I was depressed, heavily depressed, just the whole, that whole shame of it. Um, if you're listening to this, I just, I don't want you to feel like there's anything wrong with how you feel. It's... Um, A lot of times a chemical imbalance that you literally have no control over or there's a reason for it. And then that needs to be addressed, you know, whether it's trauma or, you know, whatever abusive situations you might've had in your life or experiences. Um, but there's nothing wrong with how you feel. So don't feel like you can't talk about it or get help. Don't feel like you have to keep it in this dark place as a secret or, something that you don't talk about to your friends or your family those are the people that need to hear you because you know a lot of times people like to think that everything's okay and if you ask how are you doing and you say fine because that's what everybody's response is they're not going to dig into it too much people don't want to go into the places that are uncomfortable unless you bring them there so if you say you know actually today i'm feeling kind of shitty." that will start a conversation hopefully with that friend of yours. And then you can talk about it more instead of just making everything okay all the time. Everything's not okay all the time. And the people in your life should understand that. And a lot of times they just need to hear you say it. They don't know until you say it, you know, they don't know that you're feeling sad because you're, you're really good at putting on a a face. Everybody is, everybody's good at hiding those dark feelings And so unless you actually say it or confide in someone about that, it's never going to be heard. So just, I guess, try to get over the nervousness or um, making waves. You know, nobody wants to make waves. Nobody wants to say, I'm not okay today. But it needs to happen.
1: It needs to happen. Thank you very much, Renee. We are going to end this episode with The Survivor's Manifesto by Dr. Peter Levine. Please just listen to it and take in the words. You don't need to remember them because we will link to it and post it on Facebook and our website so you can print it out.
0: We think of this as a love note to yourself. Mm, To yourself. You are worthy. Be kind to yourself. It's okay to not be okay. Your emotions are valid. You are not fundamentally flawed. You deserve to be loved and treated well. It's okay to have a bad day, week, or month. Healing is not linear. You can self-soothe. You can nurture and protect yourself. You used survival mechanisms to help yourself cope. You are safe now. You deserve to heal. What happened was not your fault. Emotional flashbacks are not your fault. You are enough. You are a good person. You are worth taking care of. You are allowed to take up space. You don't need permission to exist. You are allowed to struggle. It is okay to cry. It is okay to be angry. What happened to you does not define you. Fall down and bounce back up again. Be patient and love yourself as you heal. It's going to be okay. We are not our trauma. We are survivors and we are not alone.